Good morning, church. It's like the classic from Peaches and Herb, reunited and it feels so good, okay? And let me just say this, if you know that song reference, you're old, okay? That's 70s right there. I know it too, so I'm in the same boat with you. But uh, I'm glad that you're here, whether you're here live with us or joining us at home in the live stream. You know, this quarantine has certainly have forced us to kind of expand our understanding of what worship is and, and to, to move our uh, influence out from just a church building onto uh, different places, not only within our community, but in other states and, and hopefully even beyond. See, worship isn't confined to a specific place. That's a lesson that Jesus taught us in John chapter 4. You remember his encounter with the woman at the well in, in Samaria, and, and they were talking in the course of their conversation. They got to talking. She asked him, well, will you Jews say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, and we worship up on this mountain, and which is right? And Jesus said this, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. See, basically Jesus said, it don't matter where you worship. It matters how you worship. It's not about a place. It's about an attitude, a heart that comes before God to praise him and to put him first in our lives. And so whether we are here physically or we're here virtually, we're here with the same spirit, the same truth that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all. And that's what unites us and that's what brings us together. Now I know for those of you who are sitting at home listening and even for us when we were watching live stream, it's a little different. It's a little different watching online. In fact, in this service now, this service is going to be a little different than, than what we're used to. And, and different is, is okay. We're all trying to just adjust and adapt uh, to this uh, uh, new world that we live in. In fact, in June, we're going to kick off a brand new series. I'm going to call it the new normal. How do we as Christians navigate this life post-coronavirus, which we're not even post yet, but how do we deal with some of the changes that are happening in our culture, some of the changes that are happening in our businesses, and even just in our lifestyle itself? And, and how can we not only do that with faith, but more importantly as a church, how can we do that and still be the light that we're called to be and able to lead the rest of the world to truth and to Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to talk about in that series. But... No matter how things change around us, there's one thing that certainly remains a constant. And I believe worship should be a steadfast part of every believer's life. Worship, no matter the life's going good or, or life's hit the, the skids, our worship and praise should be absolutely uh, paramount to who we are as a body of believers. You remember the words written by the apostle uh, Paul when he was sitting in jail waiting for trial before Caesar, not sure if he was going to get a life sentence or a death sentence. In Philippians 4.4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. See, there's a constant that should happen in our life, and that is joy, that is praise, that is honoring God in all of our circumstances. Because no matter what happens in our circumstances, no matter what, what's going on around us, God's still in charge. He's still sovereign. He's still holy. And he's still mindful and working in your life and in my life as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about worship today. 
you know, there's two main contexts that we see in Scripture for worship. There's the private worship, and then there's corporate worship. Both are equally important and interdependent on one another. Think of them as kind of the two sides of the same coin. They are essential for our spiritual health as believers. Now, I've heard a lot of people over the years argue that, that corporate worship really isn't necessary. I get some kind of an argument along the lines of, you know, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I can worship God anywhere at any time. And you know what? There's an element of truth to that. Absolutely, you can worship God anywhere at any time. But the joy, and then there's a joy of private worship. Because you're free from some of the constraints of time and, and of a place and even of some of the rituals and ceremony. But private worship is still dependent on corporate worship. When people say that they can worship God at any time, any place, I always respond with a simple question. <laughs> you can, but do you? Do you? Uh, a quote from President Theodore Roosevelt, he once said, You may worship God anywhere at any time, but the chances are that you will not do so unless you have first learned to worship him somewhere in some particular place at some particular time. I think he is spot on. If you're unable or unwilling to worship corporately and make a discipline in your life, I think the odds are you're probably not disciplining yourself personally to worship either. See, private worship is dependent on corporate worship. Likewise, I think corporate worship is, is dependent on private worship. Private worship is where you get personal with God. It's a chance for, for you to be alone with your Heavenly Father and, and to share your life with Him and to, to dive deep into prayer and to, to praise at the top of your lungs and not worry about who around you can hear or their thoughts. It's a chance where you get to laugh with God, to cry with God, to bear your soul in ways that you probably wouldn't do in a public setting. Well, private worship is a wonderful time. It is how we get connected to our Savior, and I believe it's in those times that God begins to shape us to who we are as Christians so that when we come to a corporate worship, that is expressed in a powerful way. You see, without a personal worship, corporate worship can become routine, can become ordinary, can become mechanical in a lot of ways. Worship is something we do as a group as opposed to an expression of who we are in a loving relationship with our Savior. So we see corporate and private are both essential to one another and building a healthy Christian. Now, as we meet back together, I want to focus on the value of corporate worship. Our main text is Hebrews chapter 10, the single verse, verse 25. I'm sure you've heard it. Let us not stop or give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. See, even back in early church, they had a problem with people skipping out on worship. It's not a modern time. It wasn't since the invention of, of you know, motorboats and golf courses that people decided to start skipping church. They had a problem all the way back then. Because it's just human nature, we get busy. We get self-consumed with all the things that are going on in our lives. And, and so busy with things that we sometimes sacrifice church in order to get in all the things that we want. And so... We look at this, and really at the heart of this is selfishness. It's saying, you know, God, I want to do what I want to do. And if you fit in with that, great. And sometimes I'll go to church, but 
Other times, I just may not. And, and when you really dive in that selfishness, it, it really bleeds into what the Bible calls idolatry. There are other gods that we serve, and sometimes leisure, entertainment, pleasure are gods that we put before our own God. And you know Scripture. You know the command that God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And your God may not be informed of an idol or some kind of image, but it could be in the form of sports, entertainment, you know, family, whatever it is that, that we make a priority over God. Now, let me give you a disclaimer about this Hebrews 10 verse. This is not referring to missing a Sunday. I mean, go back to the verse. It says, let us not give up meeting together. So this is a, this is a choice to say, you know what? This is just not going to be a priority. I'm just not going to do this. In fact, it even goes on to say, as some are in the habit of doing. So we miss church sometimes. Okay, you'll hear me say this over and over again. I don't worry when someone misses church. Where I worry is when people don't miss church when they miss church. We don't feel like you've been disconnected from a power source. When all of a sudden it's something that's ordinary or habitual in your life and it's no big deal, that's scary. That's what it's talking about here is when you're in the habit of giving up and missing church. And those of you may say, well, well Sunday's my day, not the Lord's day. And you think about uh, wanting to sleep in, or like I said, go to the lake or the golf course or whatever it is. And when those become priorities, this is exactly what this verse is referring to. Now, selfishness can also be seen when we attend church. People come to church with the mindset of, what's in it for me? How am I going to be blessed by this morning? What am I going to get out of it? And then this, shirt, this verse even tells us about our purpose of meeting together. It says, let's not uh, give up the habit of meeting together, but let us encourage one another. The whole purpose of coming to church is to, to give. And that should be our attitude as we come uh, before God to give praise. We come to God to, to give our lives. And so we hear the ministry of the word. We're submitting ourselves to, to be convicted, to be changed, to be transformed. We even have time to, to come to the, uh, all, or to the communion table. And understand that it was because of Christ that we're saved, not because of our own good works. We have time in the service to, to give in our tithes and offerings. And it even talks about how we give to one another, to encourage one another, to say a kind word. Maybe you haven't seen some for a week and, and just walk up, so it's good to see you. I've heard a lot of that going on since, since it's been such a long gap since we've been in the same place. It may be that someone that you know is struggling and you take some time to pull together and, and get with them and, and pray with them. And I think that happens. It happens here. I think that even happens virtually. So we talk about church. It's not just this room. It's those who are in their homes as well. And, and that's why each week we encourage, if you're online, to, to, to make comments in the comment section. To let us know you're here. To say hi to everyone else. Maybe an encouraging word. Maybe you make a note of someone that you need to call uh, later today or later this week. And just... Remind them that you're thinking of them. You see, that's the mentality that God wants from us. As we come to church, we come to give. And, and what I find is, is that we reap what we sow. When I'm a giver, and I'm an encourager, and I invest in other people, those days where I need it back, that usually comes back in bunches. Because God has a way of taking care of us as we take care of others as well. And so, each week, we want to engage, whether here in the church or at home 
online. We want to be active in worship. I always say that worship is a contact sport, okay? If you're not making contact, you're not worshiping. And I mean that spiritually to God and spiritually with one another as well. And we've been restricted from physical contact through this quarantine, but we're still free to encourage, to love, and to support one another. And this is what makes the church gathering important. And I think this is why we're instructed not to give it up. You see, Scripture is clear that as a church, we are a body. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, who are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love this analogy of, of the body and, and just kind of using and building off of that. I would say that the church service, the worship service that we do on Sunday mornings is the heartbeat of this church body. It's the heartbeat. It's central to who we are and what we do. This is a place where multiple generations gather together. We sing the same songs. We hear the same uh, message in scripture. We gather around the same uh, communion table. This is where we're all together. And all the other ministries of this church, all the classes which we hope to get started back in June, uh, the children's classes, the adult Sunday school classes, uh, nursery, all the other ministries, missions, things that we do, those are all extensions of what we do here in the worship service. This is the heart that pumps the blood, that feeds the other ministries and the other cl classes of this church. And like the body, if... If you have an appendage in your body that's hurt, if you have a broken leg, a broken arm, uh, bad eyesight, bad hearing, you're considered handicapped. It certainly hurts you from functioning fully, but you can still function. But if the heart is bad, then the body is weakened and the body is in trouble. And I think that's true of our church and our worship. When our worship here is healthy, when people come for the right reasons, when we truly are praising God and he's at the center of everything that we do, this church is going to be healthy and strong. And it's going to see that even in the classes and the missions and the outreaches that we're doing. Because I believe it starts here where God wants us to uh, really discover what it means to come together as one. So why is it that corporate worship is so important? Why does it keep us healthy? How does it impact us both corporately and privately? Well, this morning I just want to share with you five reasons why I think corporate worship uh, has so vital to our faith and how it impacts our lives. The first one is just simply that it expands our perspective. Corporate worship expands our perspective. You know, there are so many things in life that, that demand our attention, that consume us, our work, our school, our family, our friends, social pressures, uh, marriage pressures, financial pressures, social obligations, civil obligations, all these things that want a piece of you, a piece of your time, a piece of your attention. And with it comes a pressure that just seems to wear you down. And so oftentimes when people walk into church, I know that it's been a rough week. I know that Satan's been working on them, that, that, that they are burdened by the things of this life. There's something about walking into this place or just entering into the presence of God with other believers and to know that we can put those things aside temporarily and forget about our problems and just praise God, the God who is greater than all of our problems. 
we were reminded both here and in our home that that our eyes are on him who instead of looking at our problems is the solution to everything that we face see it's here that our spirit and our soul is refreshed it's here where life starts making sense once again in psalm 73 the psalmist is confused he he looks around the world and he sees that there are so many wicked people that are prospering you ever been frustrated by that people that you know are lying and cheating and stealing and god just seems to be blessing their life and you're doing things the right way and you can't get ahead well, this is a little bit what the psalmist is going through, and he, he sees that the wicked are prospering and the righteous are suffering, and it doesn't make sense to him, and he's really wrestling with that. And then in verse 16, he says this, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. He said is, once I get into the presence of God, I start to get from this, this temporary perspective to this eternal perspective. I realize, yeah, life may be good for them now, but unfortunately their eternity is not going to be so good. And it just changes our mindset. And to realize I'll gladly give up the things of this world, the comforts and the pleasures and the conveniences for something greater that God has planned for me. Because our life here, believe it or not, is still just a mist. 70, 80, 90 years. Seems like a long time when you're living it. But when you compare it to eternity, it's nothing. And eternity is the promise that God has for each and every one of us. See, God's presence changes our perspective. In God's presence, what seemed big at the time seems so small. What seemed so important seems so trivial. What seemed impossible now seems so doable. Because our God is great. The scripture says that greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. The second thing I think is important about corporate worship is that it encourages our faith. It encourages our faith. You remember the story of Elijah, the prophet who did battle on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal? Most of Israel had turned to worshiping Baal. And and so Elijah wanted to have a, a final battle to show that God is the true God and so they got up there and they made sacrifices and, and the prophets tried to call down fire to light their sacrifice but of course there was no God listening to them and then after some time Elijah prayed to God and he brought this fire and had this incredible display of his power and you had thought that that after God proved himself that there was going to be a great revival in the land that the heart of the nation would turn back to God but what it says is that very day when the wicked queen Jezebel heard what had happened that she said, by this time tomorrow, Elijah better be dead. Basically, she put a hit out on Elijah. She said, I want him dead or dead, preferably dead. And the word got out to Elijah. And so instead of celebrating a revival, he found himself literally running for his life. It says that he pulled up his robe and he just took off running as fast as he could. And he got away from everyone. He said he eventually wandered out into a desert by himself, found a lone broom tree, and sat down under that tree. And this is what he prayed, God, I'm done. Kill me now. That's the Jeff version, but you get it. He says, I'm done. I I don't want to do this anymore. And so God was gentle with him. He he let Elijah rest. He, He fed Elijah, let him rest some more. And then finally he went to Elijah and he said to him, why are you here? And Elijah just simply said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You ever felt like that? You're all alone. You're the only one that's struggling. You're the only one that's suffering. You're the only one that's trying to be faithful. See, Satan likes to try to make us think that we're alone, that we're isolated, because he knows that loneliness, it breeds despair. In verse 18, God tells Elijah that there's still 7,000 people in Israel who have yet to bow their knee to Baal. Now, 7,000 may not sound like a lot, but when you're the only one, 7,000 sounds like good company. God says we're never alone. And I know that when we walk into this building, you know, we're not alone. You're not alone in your struggles and your faith, your questions about God, your trials that you face, the, the, the temptation that you give into, your fears, your doubts. Your eyes, all of us together, we're all broken people in need of a Savior. There's not one of us that's righteous on our own. We're all the same. We're in the same boat. And so we come together and celebrate the blood of Jesus Christ who has set us free. And it's within a, this community here that people will pick us up when we have fallen, that will encourage us when we're tired, that will share with our burdens and pray with us because that's what scripture says to encourage one another to come together as a community and so when my faith is weak I can come around other people who are faithful and they will support me and encourage me to keep going this path of life again I find that we reap what we sow and what we give we get so as we give to others we receive it in return Third thing that I see is the importance of corporate worship is that it accelerates our spiritual growth. Corporate worship accelerates our spiritual growth. While we are constantly pushing for, for you as a believer to have a private worship or a daily encounter with God, we want you to every day be in the Word, to be in prayer. We feel that that's important for your development. But so is corporate worship. It plays an essential role. In fact, if you relieve this service today and you're not blessed you're not transformed if, if you actually walk out of those doors the same exact person you were when you walked in then what have we accomplished i mean honestly if, if we're not transforming during this worship time then how are we any different from the lions club the ladies auxiliary the kiwanis or any other social club in town if we're just meeting together you know maybe the golf course doesn't sound so bad but if we're coming together under the authority of God, if we're hearing his word, and his word says that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, it divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the very thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If this word is being preached, if we're hearing the word, and it's not getting inside of us, something's wrong. And let me tell you, it's not wrong with the word. God's word never fails. It, it doesn't fail to do its job, we fail to allow it to do its job in our life. And so every time we come together, we expect that there's some kind of transformation that's happening. I'll just tell you up front, I'm still kind of new here, my prayer for you every Sunday morning that we meet together is that somewhere, somehow in this, in this uh, setting, 
even you know, at home, wherever, that you encounter the presence of God. That God makes himself known. It could be during the praise time. It may be something in a song, in a, a phrase or a word that just God connects to your heart. Could be something that's said in the sermon that, that the word just pours over your life. Could be at communion, could be during prayer time, it could even be before or after service, and, and just a chance conversation encounter that you weren't even expecting. All of a sudden, God just opens your eyes and He begins to change you. Church, we come with those expectations. If you haven't today, start. Because I believe that God wants to transform lives. That's who we are, and that's what we're about, and that's what this service is about as well. And I can't tell you when it's going to happen. I can't program or control the Holy Spirit. You realize that? That's the presence of God. No more I can control the wind. It blows when it blows, and this is Oklahoma. We know the truth of that. The Spirit blows when it blows, and he convicts when he convicts, and he encourages when he encourages, and he reveals himself when he chooses to reveal himself. All we can do from a leadership standpoint is to create an environment where you can experience that. An environment where, where hopefully we get free of distractions and you can hear and, and experience the very presence of God for your life. And I don't care if it's the first time you've experienced that or the hundred thousandth time. It is amazing when we encounter the presence of God. He is a holy and wonderful God. Fourth reason why I believe that corporate worship is essential to our lives is that it adjusts our attitude. It adjusts our attitude. Parents, you remember when your kids were whiny and start complaining. Some of your parents say, when? <laughs> that was earlier today. Okay. Uh, I know when I was growing up, uh, I was told that when I get whiny that, that I needed an attitude adjustment. Let me tell you, when I was growing up, an attitude adjustment usually meant the, the, the wrong end of a belt. That, that's how my attitude was adjusted by my parents. And I know we can't do that today, but, but they did it back then. And, and we can't do that today, but certainly there are times where we, as believers, our attitude is just a little selfish, a little sour, just a little bit angry about things not being the way we want. And, and I think corporate worship helps us to adjust that. You see, in private worship, you're in the driver's seat. The private worship, you get to decide what you do, what scripture that you decide you want to read that day, what songs you want to sing. You sing all your favorite songs, how long you're going to pray, what application you draw from the text, etc., etc. You get to decide. You're in complete control, and you can spend as much time in prayer as you want or much time in praise as you want. You tailor the experience just as you like it. When we gather in a larger group, you don't have that control. And somebody else is, is leading in the service. And it's humbling to be under the authority of someone else's leadership. Especially when you think you could do things a lot better than they can. And I know you feel that way, and I know I feel that way sometimes. But I know that when we attend church, especially those of you who attended church for a long period of time, you've invested a lot of time here and a lot of talents and treasures into this church and sometimes it's easy to forget who the church belongs to. You know, Apostle Paul reminds us very clearly in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for by him, referring to Jesus Christ, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now when you read that, it doesn't have any ambiguity about who, belong, who the church belongs to, does it? It's all about Christ. All things, all life, all creation was founded in him, for him, and is under him. And there's always various opinions about what the church should do and what the church should be and what our purpose is. But the truth be told, there's only one opinion that matters, and that is Jesus Christ, the head of the church. He established the church. He commissioned the church. Go and make disciples. Jesus sets the tone. Jesus directs our path. He gives us purpose and is under his authority. And so when we come together, there's a reminder of that, that I'm not in control. It's about him. Fifth thing that we see, and last, uh, why corporate worship is important is simply it revives our soul. Revives our soul. You know, there's something exciting rejuvenating about being with a group of fellow believers just praising and praying together there's an energy it's palpable this excitement that goes on even today we're not even at full capacity because there's many still at home but but just in this building there's some excitement i know i sang a lot louder this morning in this group than i did in my living room with my wife and, and I know, she knows I can't sing. I should be self-conscious about it. But here, it, it just felt more comfortable, more freeing in a lot of ways. I'm thankful for that. You know, you think about some of the times that God just absolutely blew you away. Just, just you were all inspired. And there were probably some, some private times. I can think some times where, where I was out in the mountains or some place in nature and just, wow, God, you are an amazing God. But then I think of other times where I was in revivals, or at CIY, or at camp. And maybe some of you men were at Promise Keepers, or women were at Women of Faith conferences, and you were sitting uh, in, in a full auditorium or a packed stadium, and you're hearing the voices of all these people raising and praising the name of Jesus Christ, and it was electrifying. You know, there's something about coming together that, that just infuses energy into who we are that we just can't get alone. I think there's power when the body of believers come together. Just as we're individual logs and we have, if we're on fire, we're lit. But when you bring all the logs together, the fire grows bigger and bigger. Same thing with our worship and our praise. Listen, church, I, I believe God is working. I really do. I think this is unprecedented times. In all of my years of being in church and even being in ministry, God is doing something different that I've not seen before. He has absolutely shaken our culture and our world. Think of all the things that, that we had as idols as a culture in America that have been taken away. You know, there, there are no more sports. Stadiums are empty. Concert halls are empty. Businesses, unfortunately, are struggling. And, and I hate for that, but, but even this God of money and, and career is being threatened. There's a lot of social issues that are being changed. Uh, celebrity is, is not important any world, anymore in our world. 
See, we're seeing God really go after the things that, that we thought were important, the things that we worshiped, and he's taking them down, he's stripping them, he's making them bow down before him. And I think for the church, this is a perfect time for us. As a church, this isn't a time for us to retreat, but this is a time for us to advance. This is a time for us to be lights to the world, to let them see what life is really about. And I believe this corporate worship, our gathering together, again, whether it be in person or online, that this must be a priority and this will be at the center of what God has planned for this church. Believe that with all my heart, that it's important for us to remain true and faithful to meeting together. I'll close with this, Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Great Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to come together. And Lord, for those here, those at home right now, I just pray a prayer over them that Again, something happened that you spoke to their heart, that, that their, their life will be tr transformed because of this gathering, this meeting together. Lord, every week that we meet, let there be some power that comes upon us, your spirit, presence that reminds us of how great you are. And so, Father, I pray that worship is always a blessing to you that you are pleased that we come with a heart of thanksgiving. We come with a heart of, of praise to lay before you our very lives because you are God and in you we trust. And so, Father God, thank you for our time. Thank you for bringing us together and putting us in this faith family that can love and support one another. We praise you, Lord, in your son's name. Amen.